Christmas has come and gone, but the Super Bowl is quickly approaching. We've seen just what our teams are capable of this season. Now it's time to get your last bets in before the bowl. Will the Ravens be able to get it done? Will Tom Brady and the Patriots get themselves another ring? I bet you have a feeling. Head over to mybookie.ag to make your predictions a reality. My bookie is one of the most trusted in the industry. If you're looking for a sports bus to make some bets on the bowl games, my bookie's where you want to go. Football not your thing? No worries. My bookie got you covered. From the NBA to the Premier League to the NHL, they've got the fastest payouts, best promotions, and a very helpful 24-7 customer service team. You can even pull your bets together for a bigger payout. Let's say you got a couple of big favorites this week, parlay wagers, let you bet multiple games together, and if they all come through, you win big. My bookie has more lines and better odds for the player than any other sport, sports books around. If you join right now, my bookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $2,000, you'll get an extra 1000 in free money to play with on my bookie. All you have to do is use our promo code THPN to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code THPN to get your extra cash from my bookie. Bet, win, get paid. This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Team you hate playing again? Yeah, uh, I guess in Ottawa, I guess. <laughs> We're a team. Hey, it's Shane. Welcome back to another episode of the Frozen Biscuit Podcast. We are almost at the halfway season for the episodes. This is episode 37, 38, I believe. Oh, man. That's a lot of episodes. Um... Kind of lost track, not going to lie. I just keep them coming. I love it. Um, but, you know, we're over halfway through the season for the Senators. We only have about two, just over uh, two months left of the regular season before the real fun begins. Obviously, we're going to talk about the New Jersey and the Buffalo game. We're also going to talk a little bit about Belleville and what the the next couple of months can hold for both clubs a little bit more because we talked about it last episode. But with that being said, you know we'll take a look at the New Jersey game, which defensively wasn't the greatest, giving up fifty three shots. You know, you could have made an argument that we got lucky about getting even to an overtime, let alone a shootout. Um, but you know. Two shorthanded goals uh, by Nemesnikov and Tierney, not even 40 seconds later or apart. Uh, Hainsey got on the board, and so did Brownie DeMello, which is nice. Uh, Tyler Ennis is continuing his torrid po- uh, power play streak. He got another power play goal uh, assisted by Kachuk and Batherson. But, you know, the star of the game was definitely Hogberg. 50 saves on 53 shots. Yes, he allowed in the two... Uh, 
the two goals in the shootout to Nikita Gusev and Jack Hughes. But really, he's not the reason why we got to overtime. Uh, he's not the reason why we got to a shootout. And I mean that as in we should have won in regulation. Uh, you know, the third goal was uh, Paul Mario was left alone in front. And it was just a tap in after Brat knocked it loose. And we can't have those mistakes. Uh, obviously, it was a chippy game. Kachuk beat the crap out of Subban, which was great to see. Uh, oh, good thing Bora was healthy after taking that stick to the eye. That was my uh, my biggest concern. But overall, it was a decent game, not overly the greatest game. Definitely a lot of missed power plays um, for New Jersey on the head end, which is weird because, you know, I do the New Jersey podcast. But that being said, they got away with a lot. And, you know... We could have done a lot better. Those jerseys, swear to God, those jerseys are the worst thing to ever happen to Ottawa. Those jerseys suck. They are horrible. And I just, I want them gone. I think they're bad. We don't play well in them. I hate them. But that was the first game back from the All-Star break. It was our first of our doubleheaders. And then we go to Buffalo on Tuesday night and we beat up on Buffalo and Anderson played really well uh, I will be honest I didn't, wasn't able to watch the game on on Tuesday night but I did watch the uh, the replay of it since I did record it um, but overall you know auto played decently again you know three power play goals Mike Riley getting his first Batherson got in on another Ennis one, as well as the Mike Riley. You know, he had three assists. That, er, just two assists, my bad. He had two assists uh, against Buffalo, which is fantastic. Shabbat and Kachuk got on the board with Pajot's 20th. Riley gets on the board with his first. Boro gets one, and... Nikita Zaitsev gets his first as a senator. So both Riley and Zaitsev got their first. Uh, obviously, if you haven't seen it, which you probably have, they weren't really sure who to give it to. It was either Tierney or Zaitsev. But it was overall a very good game, I found. Definitely don't think it was the worst played game. We could have probably played a little bit better. You know, three for four on the power play is fantastic. Threw 30 hits. We lost in the faceoffs only 46%. We put on 39 shots. So, you know, seeing Duclair in a goose egg again, even though he had nine shots on goal. So, I, I feel like for him, he'll just come. He's in a little bit of a slump. Everyone has them. I wouldn't really worry too much about it. The big thing, though, is Batherson getting on the board twice. He had four hits, 15 minutes of ice time. Not bad. Not bad. Colin White's getting up there. He had 17. Pajot had 17. Nisimov only had 11. Ennis had 14. Tierney with 15. Shlopik with 10. The the interesting thing is Shabbat has dropped down to about 23, just over 23. Last game, as well, obviously it's a little bit inflated because of the overtime. And he almost cost us another overtime, which I would have been more annoyed about. But he only played 25. You know, 
having having Riley, I mean, Riley only played 18, Zaitsev played 18, Boro played 16. Obviously, he missed some shifts due to the injuries. Uh, and then Hainsey played 21. So, and I mean, realistically, Zaitsev played 409 in uh, shorthanded time on ice. Demello was four, Boro Ricky was four, and Ron Hainsey was four oh nine. So that's what's gonna happen. It's not very uncommon. So, but seeing Shabbat at that, you know, twenty to twenty five mark is probably the best. But Anderson played great. Not he didn't do enough. Like he he didn't do. At least in my opinion, he didn't cost us the game. He just was able to do enough to give us the win. Uh, 28 out of 30. Not bad for a team that's trying to fight back into the playoffs in Buffalo. So, that's uh, that's that, those two games, obviously, quick. Because, you know, we don't need a full in-depth analysis of the games. But, with that being said... We look on to this weekend. So, for some reason, the NHL wanted to be so gracious for us and give us about, you know, eight days off, give us a back-to-back, one home, one on the road, and then give us two days off, and then put us into another back-to-back at home and on the road. So, we play Washington on the 31st of Friday at 7.30. And then, to start February, oh yeah, we play in Toronto at 7 p.m. on Saturday. So we don't even get a full, you know, 24 hours before our next game to get ready for, like, I don't know. Do we piss off someone at the NHL? And then we're we're at home for two games, and we're off for two days, and then we're at home for two games, and then... We play Winnipeg and Colorado, and then Arizona at home, and then Toronto, which is the first game of a five-game homestand. We have a back-to-back, stupidly a back-to-back, at Columbus and then at Nashville. I don't get it. And we finish that month off against Vancouver and Detroit. So February is a relatively light schedule. Uh, Pittsburgh's kind of where it gets, or not Pittsburgh, March it's kind of where it gets heavy for us, where we play only four home games. Uh, Oil, uh, Islanders, Oilers, Panthers, Leafs. We have a five-game road trip. Uh, San Jose, Anaheim, L.A., Chicago, St. Louis. And then we play Washington, Carolina, Boston, and Tampa at, on the road to end March. And then we end against Pittsburgh in Ottawa. We play on the Thursday. So, yeah, we honestly only have, like, um, two months and four four days, something like that, left. Like, not even a month and two months and three games, basically. So, it's uh, hockey. It's coming down quick for us, guys. It's It's coming down relatively quick on us. And it's not looking pretty. It's not It's not looking the prettiest for us right now. But with that being said, we have Belleville to look forward to. Um, and I mean that in a good way. Just because of the way they've been playing. Obviously, 
they're sitting, they should still be sitting first in the North Division. And I don't expect to see much changes, really, with the way that team is going. I don't see them willing to call up people constantly trying to move things around. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, Norris or Brown called up for like five game stints or whatever, just so they can have them down in Belleville. Uh, they should make the playoffs. I don't really see them falling out of it, but you know, crazier things have happened, (laughs) but you know, Belleville's looking well. I really want to... I'm really hoping that they do well. Decord and Gus have shown that they can carry the load, so I would be very surprised to see Hogberg sent down. So, you know, looking at it from a management perspective, I think it's very good that this has worked out the way it has because now you don't have to allow teams or figure out which team or which players needs to go aware. Hogberg has shown that he can be an NHL goalie and you have Decord and Gus splitting time in Belleville, which is what you wanted. Fortunately for Anderson, that means he should probably be gone at some point between now and the trade deadline. But we'll see what happens. But you no, know, for now, we'll take a little break. We'll be back. We'll talk. Uh a little bit of what to expect for the rest of the year and, you know, other things. <laughs> hey, hockey fans. If you're like me, you have a couple of plain jerseys hanging in your closet, no name or number. But I got a solution for you where you can get whatever name, whatever number you want from any jersey. Visit my friends Chris and Kevin at Customized Sports for all your customization needs. They have hundreds of teams available for purchase at their eBay store. They're shipping out of Toronto. If you can't find what you're looking for, message them and they'll try to accommodate you. Visit their store on eBay at ebaystores.com slash customized sports. Or you can catch them on Reddit at username u slash customized dash sports. Hey guys, welcome back. So on, uh, on the broadcast, we have Tom who does the... St. Louis Boys podcast for us. Um, he'll be joining us for a little bit. We're going to talk a little bit of AHL hockey. So, Tom, take it away a little bit. <laughs> well, uh, it's interesting you're bringing me on to uh, this podcast to talk about AHL hockey. Uh, um, this week on Blue Notes on Monday, I go into a rant about how Vegas is stealing our AHL franchise, the San Antonio Rampage. And... Um, you know, I can talk about how they're doing on ice, which is not great. Um, but really, I think we were kind of talking before we started recording here about how, you know, the AHL carousel, you know, has once again come around on St. Louis. And now we have to find a new home to stash our prospects. And it kind of sucks. Yeah, because they also took uh, they took the Wolves from you when they came into the league, didn't they? They did, but you know what? Uh, we were not sad as Blues fans to see the Wolves go away. Uh, the Blues were affiliates with the Wolves for a couple of years, and the and the big reasoning behind that was because, you know, for the longest time before then, the uh, Blues owned the Peoria Rivermen of the AHL, and they were – and this was like the previous ownership, I believe, before Tom Stillman come on, and uh, they – decided that owning an AHL franchise was just too much of a money pit for them. 
So they sold the Rivermen, and now they're and that that franchise actually went to Vancouver. Um, the Canucks bought them, and they moved them up to I think Abbotsford. Um, and then now the Rivermen exist as an SPHL team, uh, independent league. Uh, so and going with the Wolves at the time, it sounded like a great idea because uh, the Wolves have their own ownership, they have their own management, and it costs the Blues zero dollars and zero cents every year to have them as an affiliate. So it was a cost-saving move. And, of course, the Wolves are uh, one of those teams that are very competitive every year in and year out. The problem the Blues had with the Chicago Wolves is that they don't like to be told by their parent club which prospects they need to give preference to and prioritize. Um, you know, the Wolves are, you know, one of those teams. They like to go for that championship every single year. You know, they like to be kings of the little mountains, you know, of the minor leagues for whatever that's worth. Um, but they prefer veterans and, you know, non-attached players um, instead of these young whippersnappers that uh, teams send down to them. So the Blues got very frustrated with that. And then when Vegas came in, yeah, Vegas – Basically, the Blues were already on the way out. They were um, they were going to uh, hook up with the San Antonio Rampage, uh, who were at the time Colorado's affiliates. Yeah. Uh, Colorado then ended up bringing up the Eagles from the ECHL to have that kind of home base synergy, you know, near uh, near Denver. And so, the Blues signed a five year deal with these San Antonio Rampage. This was two seasons ago. And we all thought that the carousel was done. The Blues finally have a place where they can grow and develop their own prospects and be able to kind of dictate, you know, how they want it done. And here comes Vegas to uh, basically rip that safety and security away from us. So now we're in limbo, Shane. Yeah, isn't there um... – isn't there talk about KC now getting like the ownership group with St. Louis, uh, like the blues and the ownership group with the chiefs. They're very close. Aren't they now? So isn't there talk of, cause there's an ECHL team in Missouri, isn't there? Yeah. The Kansas city Mavericks are in the ECHL and they are owned by the hunt family who also, of course, as you know, own the Kansas city chiefs. And right now the options for the, there's really no indication from the blues where they'll go from here. Uh, Doug Armstrong kind of put out a very gruff and blunt, you know, we're going to immediately start looking for a franchise, this type of a, a quote when the news came out about Vegas and the rampage. Um, there is a lot of, not, I want to say momentum, but among the fan base here in St. Louis, I think we there's a lot of intrigue about the possibility of having Kansas City as the AHL affiliate for the Blues. Partly just because, I mean, you take a look around the league. Um, you know, of course, when the Blues sold the Rivermen, as I mentioned, that franchise went up to Abbotsford and, and it's now with Vancouver. That was to kind of, you know, get – you know, the NHL and AHL team closer for the Canucks. Uh, you have, as I mentioned, the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, they ended up moving up the Colorado Eagles up from the ECHL to have a closer team there. You know, Denver and the suburbs where the Eagles play far closer than Denver to San Antonio. 
And oh, then yeah. now you have, and then now you have Vegas. You know their their affiliates of Chicago Wolves halfway across the country. They decided, you know what, it would be really awesome if we had our own AHL affiliate in Henderson, which is a suburb of Vegas. They have a rink for it; it's ready to go. And so they were just looking for an AHL team that was kind of down and out, and you know would be interested in selling. So the Rampage, yeah, they they were owned by Spurs Entertainment, uh, but I never ever really got the indication. The Spurs were really serious about the Rampage. Of course, they're going to prioritize the NBA team, you know, over this, you know, ragtag, you know, hockey franchise uh, in the minors. Um, but getting back to the Hunts, you know, kind of got off track there. So a couple of years ago, there was a lot of talk and a lot of rumor that the Hunt family was going to try and move the Kansas City Mavericks up to the AHL, very similar to uh, what the Colorado Eagles did. And this was right at about the time the Blues and the Wolves were going through that messy divorce. And there was some speculation then that um, the Blues might have the Mavericks as an affiliate in the AHL. Now, flash forward to here, when you have all of a sudden um, in the rampage, leaving the Blues at the proverbial altar here, you know, just a couple years into their marriage, um, there's, there, there's a lot of intrigue about the Blues and Kansas City. In the past year, there has been kind of a bromance developing between the Blues and the Chiefs. Um, during the Stanley Cup playoff run, Pat Mahomes and Travis Kelsey of the Chiefs went to Enterprise Center and watched Stanley Cup final games. Uh, they appear to be big Blues fans. And then this All-Star game, you had Jordan Bennington stepping out into the red carpet in a Patrick Mahomes jersey, and you have Ryan O'Reilly in a Chiefs helmet skating during pregame warm-ups. So I, I, think, I think if you polled most uh, Blues fans right now, I think they'd be down for a Kansas City affiliation uh, just because it would mean that the affiliate was in the state. Uh, it would be easy to shuttle prospects to and from uh, Kansas City. You know, two cities are connected by Interstate 70. Um, and it also opens up some possibilities, you know, like the blues could play preseason games in Kansas city. Maybe the chiefs would play a preseason game in St. Louis. Uh, just there's, there, there's a whole lot of different avenues I explore in this week's blue notes about a potential relationship like that. So just for people who aren't listening, the Mavericks are an ECHL affiliate with the Calgary flames and the Stockton heat. If they were to move up, to the AHL and then become St. Louis AHL affiliate. Is there any uh, price tag or any fines or anything like that that would be put upon the the Hunt family or the Blues if that were to happen for them to move up to to the AHL and leave the Flames without an ECHL, ECHL affiliate? I do know that like when the LA Kings brought the – Ontario reign to existence. Uh, the Manchester Monar Monarchs dropped down to the ECHL. Could we see something like that with the Chicago Wolves dropping down to the ECHL if that was the route that uh, the Blues wanted to go? Well, I think, for one, to move up a team from the ECHL to the AHL, I think there is an expansion fee involved. 
um, which is, I think, what Colorado had to incur when they moved up the Eagles. And I know that Seattle's having to pay it for their Palm Springs team um, in the AHL. Uh, so that's that. That's one thing to consider. I I think the fee is just like a few million dollars. So I, I don't think it's anything that the Hunt family would be particularly concerned about, especially seeing as this gives them another chance to you know plant some roots in St. Louis. Uh, so that's one thing to consider. The other thing to consider is that um, you know right now the Mavericks are the Calgary Flames ECHL affiliates, and there's plenty of ECHL teams that don't have an NHL affiliate at the moment. Uh, for the longest time, like I lived in Fort Wayne, Indiana for a long time, the home of the Comets, and they didn't have an affiliate for a couple of years. The ownership there kind of preferred it that way uh, in some ways, just simply because they didn't like being dictated who to play and when to play um, whenever they have their own talented players, you know, on their own franchise. Um, and, and, and that's also another thing is, you know, what happens to the Comets link with the Vegas uh, Golden Knights now that, you know, the affiliation is going from Chicago to San Antonio. Maybe it's possible the Vegas look to move on from the Comets and find another team. So there's one team that might be available for the Calgary Flames. Um, but, yeah, it would just uh, – I think Calgary would have an issue finding another ECHL team. It's it's, but with the AHL, I mean, it would if if a team moves up, uh, it would make the AHL probably a little lopsided in terms of, um, you know, how the league is structured, because uh, I think they try to have it set up to be, you know, one team for one NHL team. Um, I can tell you right now, the Chicago Wolves would probably not be willing to move down to the ECHL um, just they they while they want to win championships they still want to play at there, there's a certain level of hockey I think that franchise wants to stay at so uh, going down to the ECHL from the AHL is a pretty noticeable drop in quality um, you know at least for the on ice products so uh, good questions a lot to consider and uh, who knows, maybe the Blues end up buying out the Wolves and moving them to KC themselves. Who knows? I, they're, they're, we'll, it's, we'll find out. Another, another possibility that we kind of talked about uh, on the Devils podcast with uh, Corey from the Benders was the Rockford Icehawks. You know, they're affiliated with Chicago. They're in Illinois. You know, any possibility or any word on your end that you may have heard of, you know, Chicago going to the Wolves and then possibly the Ice Hogs being moved or whatnot? Is that a possibility? Could that be a possibility? It would make a lot of sense, I think, for the Blackhawks if they had the Wolves as their own affiliates. But I think there's some animosity between the Wolves and the Blackhawks because in two, back when the Hawks were really bad in the early 2000s, uh, part of the Chicago Wolves campaign uh, was, you know, come and watch real hockey, you know, here with the Chicago Wolves. And uh, I know the Hawks did not take kindly to that. Now, granted, it's been, you know, 15 years since that's happened. Maybe it's water under the bridge. Um, I did hear some rumblings because I, I was aware a couple, at least a few weeks ago, that Vegas was looking to buy an AHL team and make this move to Henderson. And I think there was some chatter online that maybe it could have been Rockford that, that was bought and moved. 
Uh, I don't know how well they're doing in Rockford, but apparently there was some chatter that maybe they'd be willing to uh, sell the Ice Hogs. Uh, that still could be a possibility. And um, I, I don't, you know, as, as much as, you know, the Blues might be a little bit raw over losing the Rampage in the manner that they are, although they, they, they could have known this was coming for a long time, who knows. But the, the, the potential to poach the Blackhawks AHL affiliates, that might be pretty tempting for the Blues, who enjoy seeing the Blackhawks suffer in, every, in any way imaginable. That's true. I mean, the Blues and the Blackhawks do have a really good rivalry against each other. Yeah, we do, and it's it, it's a historic rivalry. It did kind of take a back seat, I think, in the 90s and early 2000s just simply because the Hawks were so bad. And I know for the Blues, you know, the Red Wings kind of was the rivalry back in the 90s and early 2000s just simply because it seemed like the Blues and Wings always came up against each other in the playoffs. And every single time, the Wings would find a way to ruin our season. Uh, you, know, you know, don't forget. I mean, who can forget Gretzky had it, lost it, and Eisenman clapping that slapper by John Casey. You know, and that and the, that famous goal in Game Seven. Uh, I still have nightmares over that one, Shane. <laughs> yeah, I have a I have a couple of nightmares of my own of goals that should not have gone in, but they did. Put it this way: I was 11 years old when that Eisenman goal happened, and up until that point, I had not cried over the results of a sporting event until then. Yeah, I remember the, the game-winning goal in Game 7 in 03 against the Devils. That was not a pretty day. It was not a pretty yeah, night. Was, yeah, I know which one you're talking about, too. Yeah, the, the col- yeah it was bad. I Bad. <laughs> um, but thank you for, for joining me. I know you're, uh, you're a busy man. Um, you are on your way home from a, a weekend of hockey, so I will. Yeah, yeah currently, currently as I'm recording this, uh, we are about to pass the exit for the sprawling metropolis that is Lexington, Illinois. Uh, who up until about you know two seconds ago, I didn't even know that was a town, uh, <laughs> but now today I learned. Um, but no, I was in Chicago this weekend, uh, calling games and uh, stiffing with. Uh, uh, some video camera work for the Central States Developmental Hockey League, which is a uh, tier two junior hockey league uh, in the United States. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of Chicago teams, a lot of St. Louis teams, uh, you know, going for their respective championships was a lot of fun. Uh, always fun to see the future of hockey. And not only that, but this is also kind of like, this is where the future of hockey is kind of grown you know, watching how these hockey young hockey players are taught how to play the game uh, and maybe seeing how it translates to the NHL years down the road. It's always a fascinating thing to see uh, how the game evolves because a lot of how NHL players play nowadays really is grown at the junior level, and it really just depends on how, the, how they're being coached. Yeah, that's true. Uh, how, how long of a drive is it from where you're at to, to Chicago? Like, where you're at in St. Louis to Chicago. So we were in Romeoville, Illinois, which is a southwest suburb of uh, Chicago, kind of more towards Juliet. So uh, that probably saves about an hour of driving right there because Chicago traffic is an absolute butt. Um, I believe it. But I would say we're probably anywhere from three and a half to four hours, just kind of depending on traffic and weather. Uh, a little rainy tonight, but not too bad. That's not bad at all. That's less than a trip to – 
to Toronto from Ottawa. About the same time, yeah. actually. Well, yeah, I mean, well, and, and I, I complain about Chicago traffic. I hear Toronto traffic is a completely different story. Toronto and Montreal can get pretty hectic. If you can avoid driving to either city, like if you're up in Canada, I mean, I recommend coming to visit. Uh, I would avoid driving in Toronto and Montreal as much as possible. Well, a couple of years ago, I visited Buffalo and Niagara Falls, and I decided to, in my way back to Indiana, go through southern Ontario uh, which, by the way, if you're ever driving through Ohio, that's basically southern Ontario right there. Um, but uh, I, I kept, you know, when I, when I crossed into Canada, it was my first time I was ever in Canada. It felt really cool being in a foreign country. Um, but, you know, I kept seeing, like, the skyline of Toronto off into the distance, you know, across the lake. And I kept thinking, hmm, wonder if I could if I should swing up there, you know. And then I remembered, you know, just some horror stories. I have some friends that live in Toronto, and they kind of warned me. It's like, dude, if you ever come to Toronto, you know, you're going to be stuck in traffic. You know, it doesn't really matter where you are. So uh, keeping that in mind, I was like, you know what, maybe another time. Yeah. Uh, usually, like, if my friends and I go down and we're – if we drive – We'll catch an Airbnb that has a, a driveway. We'll park, and then we'll train anywhere else we'll go. That's like, smart. That's pretty, much, that's pretty much what I did when I was in Washington, D.C. a couple months ago. That's another city where traffic just absolutely is a nightmare. You know, and then so I didn't, I didn't even – for that one, I didn't even bring a car. You know, I just I – just, I, I flew in, and I just kind of Ubered around everywhere. Um, but thankfully, Washington D.C. If you ever if you ever come to the states and you visit the nation's capital, one of the most walkable cities that you'll you'll ever be in. You you actually it's a city that is laid out and structured to uh, in such a way you actually want to walk everywhere. It's yeah, it nice. is a, it is a bucket list city for me to to go to catch a Capitals game. Uh, so I will hopefully get that done in the next couple of years. And I and I cannot imagine that Toronto is nearly as walkable. Oh no, Toronto is very walkable, actually. Isn't it okay? Because everything's kind of like situated together. Like all, if you're going, like all their their sports arenas, like all their stadiums are like with each other. Like you can walk from the Rogers Center where the Blue Jays play to Scotiabank Arena, whatever it's called now, and catch a, a Leafs game. And then you can walk to, to Ripley's Aquarium. So the downtown core is very much walkable. It's just busy. Not bad. I, it, it, and, yeah, Toronto is definitely one of those places on my bucket list as well. I do want to see a Leafs game. I don't care who they're playing. I prefer to be the Blues, but, uh, you know, I just want to catch a Leafs game just to say I've been. But I know that's a pretty pricey ticket. Oh, yeah. I want to go to, like, Montreal. If you're going to catch a – if you don't want to go anywhere but Ottawa, uh, I mean, I do recommend you come for a visit because Ottawa is a real, especially like late summer, early fall. Ottawa is a very pretty city. It's an underrated city. But like Montreal during the summer, if you want to go like somewhere that's walkable, St. Catherine Street in Montreal, the best place. It is so fun. There's so many different things going on down that street. There's no yeah. cars on it during the summer. It's completely just pedestrians it's fantastic now this is a completely ignorant american talking here um but i've always been kind of worried about going to montreal because i know next to no french 
Uh, will that will that be a problem in Montreal? No, I mean, I I speak a little bit of French. I'm not 100% fluid in it anymore. Uh, but if you are, like, I was very, I didn't know a lot of it, or I didn't remember a lot of it. So you just go up to most people. Most people in Montreal are bilingual. A lot of them okay. do speak English and French. It might be broken English. But all you have to do is go up and ask if they if they speak English. And if they don't, they'll go get someone who does. They're, you know, they're the stereotypical Canadian of, like, they're super friendly. You just go in, you just you politely say, hey, I only speak English. I don't know French. And if they can't speak English, they'll grab someone who can and they'll help you out. Awesome. Yeah. I want to go to Montreal, if nothing else, to meet UP. Yeah, that's fair. UP's a character. (laughs) (laughs) Um, How? Quick question, just to kind of throw it off topic before we head out. Uh, What's it like down there with the XFL? What have you heard? I know you've been busy this weekend, so you probably haven't had much, but there is a team in St. Louis, correct? There is indeed a team in St. Louis, the Battle Hawks. And uh, I haven't had a chance to watch a lot of XFL just because I was busy calling hockey games. But after the final hockey game was done, we all kind of gathered at a Burger King in uh, Romeoville. And uh, I put on the Battle Hawks game on my phone. And they won tonight 15-9 to over the uh, Dallas Renegades. And a lot of people are saying that the Battle Hawks are going to be the worst team in the XFL, which... I have no idea how you can figure that based on the fact that these teams have never played each other, like, ever. Yeah. Um, that, that, that seems kind of – I, I kind of think maybe it's something that, uh, you know, like, like for instance, like, I watched, you know, the ESPN presentation of the XFL, and they have, like, the over-under numbers right next to the scores, and they have, like, the money line next to the uh, – they had like like Dallas was like a nine and a half point favorite, and I knew that because that was actually posted right next to their name in the scoreboard. Yeah, I, I like that. Thought, I think that was pretty cool. I thought it was really cool, and um, I, I I wonder if that was a game that's kind of like you know, if you picked uh, the uh, Battle Hawks to win, they would have covered tonight, and uh, people probably would have made some money. So I wonder if that's just to get you know maybe some early juice going for uh for uh, betters yeah i mean hopefully it's something that they keep i think that'd be interesting to see what the nfl does with it too because i feel if things are successful in the xfl the nfl is going to be forced to try it and that might be one of the things they're forced to try yeah and that's one thing i think that's going to keep maybe you know make this xfl experiment a success this time around because it seems willing to embrace the sports betting side of things here in america um the supreme court just kind of opened the door for states to legalize sports betting uh it used to be you know one of those no-no things that you know only like you can only legally bet in vegas here in the states but now it's like the state, you know, every state's starting to roll out their own sports books. And uh, just, you know, it, it's, it's, we're entering a new era here in America of sports betting and sports gambling. And here comes the XFL. And I think that's one area they're going to take advantage of. But not only that, it's just I, I, everything I've read about the XFL and then just what little I've seen, I dig the presentation of it. It's still a very professional presentation. I like the fact they let us go back into the uh, replay areas uh, and like actually watch along with the uh, 
review official as he tries to determine, you know, like if it was a catch or anything like that. Uh, they mic up all the they mic up the quarterbacks. They mic up the offensive coordinators, the play callers. Uh, so like in between plays, you hear that chatter going on between the players and the coaches. Uh, it, it it's doing a lot of things I really like, and uh, I think it's I think it's got some staying power this time around. It seems like you know they they've had that extra year to kind of think things out and develop. You know, whereas the AAF came out, you know, with very little plan and they died a terrible, grisly death. Um, I think the XFL has got some staying power. Um, I just kind of I'm with you, though, and I kind of wonder, like, at what point if the XFL remains successful and they start chipping into the NFL a little bit, at what point does the NFL juggernaut just say, OK, Vince McMahon, here's a blank check. You put in a number and we'll buy your league. Yeah, and then they'll ruin it. Oh, because it's the NFL. It's what they yeah. do. Yeah, as a Canadian, I'm I'm not I'm not necessarily biased, but I find that the the C, if the NFL incorporated a lot of the CFL rules, it'd be a lot more fun to watch. Oh, definitely. Well, and and as a St. Louis and you know who you know got screwed over you know by Stan Kroenke moving the Rams to L.A. and the NFL basically being perfectly complicit in a scheme, you know, to get the Rams back to LA. Um, I'm still pretty raw over with the NFL over just a lot of things that they do, not the least of which how they treated St. Louisans on the way out. So I'm, I am all for the XFL succeeding if nothing else, but just to, so that St. Louisans can throw up a couple middle fingers at the NFL. I'm, I'm down for that. Yeah, I mean, I didn't hear good things about that stadium, but the way things unfolded definitely were not the best of light. I mean, put it this way. Stan Kroenke literally used the plot of the movie Major League to get out of St. Louis. He, I maintain, and of course, there's the big legal fight over this. He's probably going to have to take the witness stand over his move from St. Louis to L.A. over this. But I think he intentionally kept the Rams shitty. So fans would lose interest, and then he could have justification to move the team to LA. I think I, it was it was an absolute rig job, you know, from you know for a long time, and it was just it, now. Grant, I agree that the dome was is still not a great place to watch games. I mean, back when the Rams went to the Super Bowl, the, that place got loud. I mean, it was like one of the most intimidating places to play, um, but it's not a fancy place, and it was a bad deal from the start i mean st louis uh city officials aren't completely innocent in this i think they rushed to get a stadium done because georgia Frontieri wanted to move the rams from la and this was st louis's chance to get a team so they kind of they kind of fumbled it from the go um but yeah the way the way he left was just terrible especially considering the fact and i don't think Kroenke was anticipating this but st louis um, was ready to build a new stadium. They had a plan to build a brand new open air riverfront stadium, Ooh, and I pretty. think it shocked, it, it, it shocked the shit out of Kroenke to the point where he had to go scorched earth on his way out. And he basically, in his letter, his final documents to try to pitch moving the Rams to L.A., he basically said that St. Louis is an economic nightmare. 
and that this uh, stadium will lead a, a owner to certain doom and just he threw the city under a bus to the point where I don't think he's been able to step foot in the city of St. Louis without fear for his life. Fair. That is definitely fair. Yeah, basically, it, it, it's everything like when Cleveland got screwed because Art Modell moved uh, the Browns uh, to uh, Baltimore. Uh, it, I understand how they felt now because it was just, it, it was just so bad. Yeah, I believe it. You don't know what you have until it's gone. Yeah, and I, and, I, and I hope and I hope Ottawa fans don't have to experience that. Uh, if you know the Senators were ever to move away from Ottawa, it's losing a team is is just the one of the worst gut punches you can experience as a fan because it kind of the biggest thing that I felt when the Rams moved was that it it invalidated my years of fandom and support. You know, it rendered them worthless, and that's and that's and that that's the part that hurts. Yeah, I mean, I think Batman. I think that's where this, the uh, the NHL is lucky is that Batman is very against relocation. It's very much a, a last-ditch effort for him. So I think for Ottawa, we're safe when it comes like when it comes to that. I don't like if he's not allowing if he tried his best not to move Arizona, Florida, and Carolina. He's not just going to allow Ottawa to up and move. Unlike uh, unlike uh, Goodell, that will. Literally doing yeah, for a pretty penny. I, I've talked to uh, Sporty with Corey and Richie before about this very issue, and you know there, there there's some nerves still just because apparently Houston's ready to go and they could you know take an NHL franchise like now, um, yeah. and the Coyotes are kind of like the logical choice just simply because they're already moving to the Central Division when Seattle enters the league. Uh, they're kind of like the uh, odd team out in the Pacific. And so it's not a perfect fit for Arizona to be in the central, you know, and taking on, you know, going to Chicago and Winnipeg multiple times a year. But, hey, if they were in Houston, it would make more sense, you know. So that's that's kind of the fear. But as you said, yeah, Bettman's not one to move a team unless he absolutely deems it necessary, kind of like Atlanta to Winnipeg. Yeah, basically. And I mean, I would hate to see Arizona go, but, you know, at the same time, if they can't find a reliable and stable ownership and there's one in Houston, you have to do what's best for the league, right? They you, try would, you would think so, but I mean, I, I know there's a fan base in Arizona. I mean, they're, they're, there's, there's very loyal fans out there. Kind of like, you know, and, and, and maybe I, I'm just relating to it as a former Rams fan in St. Louis. But you know, you put you put so much time and effort into supporting a team. Um, it would it would hurt Arizona badly if they were were to have their NHL team yanked from them. Um, so I, I hope that doesn't happen. Just you know, based on what I've gone through as a uh, Rams fan here in St. Louis. Yeah, that's fair. I uh, again, I hope it doesn't happen. I mean, I was a little bit disappointed when Atlanta moved. I understand because that's the second time Atlanta lost a team. And it would suck for a team like Eric because it's going to be one of those situations where, and we've seen it, I've seen it in Ottawa before where the team you've lost the team, not because of fan support, just because of bad ownership. And if that's yeah. how, and if that's how Arizona loses the Coyotes, it's going to be even worse than if it was fan support. 
And if you guys need, you know, some shoulders to cry on over that, there's plenty of them here in St. Louis that will understand your plight because that was basically the thing here in St. Louis with the Rams was just really shady, crooked ownership. Yeah, and I think that that's what makes losing a team worse is when it's based off bad ownership and not off fan support. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we'll wrap it up. Again, thank you for uh, joining uh, joining me and talking uh, a little bit about everything. It was nice to get some inside scoop. Um, and, uh, yeah, hopefully we can talk again, uh, talk again soon. Where can people find you? Uh, find me at Twitter at Tom Franklin KMOX as well as uh, at Blue Notes Pod. And uh, always a pleasure to join you. And uh, hopefully uh, next time uh, we can hook up, Benders will be there. So uh, uh, we can have a little Cajun flavor to our, uh, to our show. Yeah, get, get you on the Devil's Podcast would be nice. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we'll figure something out for that. Yeah, totally. Can't wait. All right. Thank you guys for listening. We hope you enjoyed the interview with Tom. He is very insightful. Again, check him out at Blue Notes Podcast on on Twitter, Blue Notes, and uh, yeah, give his episode a listen. Again, you can find me at Frozen Biscuit ninety two, as well as Shane underscore Ryan ninety seven on Twitter. I hope you all have a wonderful night or wonderful week. We will catch you on Thursday with a brand new episode of the Frozen Biscuit. Uh, And hopefully, you know, we play Colorado and hopefully it's a good one. Have a good one, guys. See ya.